leftovers. Or the DMV. Or house cleaning. Or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Sassy Silverstations a podcast community that facilitates conversation to explore and expand what it means to live at the intersections of being a sassy, soulful, and spiritual individual. I'm your host, Tierney C. Jordan, and I have curated this digital sacred space for us to be our sassy, soulful, and spiritual selves together. I'm glad that you've joined me on your favorite podcast platform for this week's episode. Before we kick off today's show, I want to share a few ways you can join the Sassy Soul Pod community. You can follow us on Instagram at Sassy Soul Pod and or join our Facebook group. Just search Sassy Soulversations. We really appreciate it when you subscribe, like, and leave a review of the podcast. All of the ways you choose to support the podcast is greatly appreciated. If you have any questions you would like us to answer on future episodes of the show, please feel free to send an email to sassysoulpod at tyrannyjordan.com. All of this information is available in the show notes, so I look forward to connecting with you soon. Alrighty, now that we've gotten all of the housekeeping out of the way, let's jump into this week's show. Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of Sassy Soulversations. So I just want to be fully transparent and let you know that the audio in this episode is pure ghetto. So I was not in my regular recording area and I had background noise there. My earrings are hitting my microphone anytime I laugh. Y'all like the devil is in the audio. It is very much not giving what it was supposed to have gave but the conversation is so so rich that I don't want to not release it just because it sounds like the devil was in the microphone so I wanted to be fully transparent and give you this disclaimer and let you know that I just need y'all to rock with me through this one I need you to bear with me because it's not giving what it was supposed to have gave But if you can make it through the terrible and glitchy audio, it's not terrible the whole time. It has highs and lows. It goes back and forth. But if you can make it through, I think there's something really beautiful to be learned and to be heard and to be experienced through the episode. So, yes, I just want to be fully transparent, give you a disclaimer, go ahead and let you know that it gets a little, it gets a little, it gets a little questionable as far as the audio goes but um just rock with me we'll be back to our regularly scheduled audio set up for the next episode and so um I really think that you'll enjoy the content I just wanted to give you that disclaimer and so let's get into this convo 
this week, joining us for a sassy conversation, we have Candace Simpson. Um, I first encountered Candace and the work that she was doing at my first proxy conference. And so I've been internet following and stalking her since then, just to see all the cool things that she has to say out here in these theology streets. And so we are super happy to have her here with us in the Sassy Soul Pod community today. Candice, please introduce yourself. Good afternoon, morning, evening, whatever time it is. Um, my name is Candace Simpson. I use she, her pronouns. I'm from Brooklyn, New York, and I am an associate minister at the Comfort Baptist Church of Christ in Brooklyn. And I also have a podcast called Fish Sandwich Heaven, and it is an online theological resource. Um, the secret mission, which is not so secret, is um, helping us to reclaim radical roots of um, the Black radical imagination. So that also includes the Christian faith, the way that we practice the Christian faith. So that's what I'm up to. I also am an insomnia cookies enthusiast. So um, that's a very important thing about me. <laughs> yes, yeah, so if you encounter Candice at any time and you have been to insomnia cookies, y'all gonna be here, like instant, instant magic. It's so gooey. It's just warm. I just, it's perfect. And the way you can literally almost get them at any time you want. So, like, they're always open. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And so, thank you so much for introducing yourself and being here with us today. As a fun way to introduce you to the show, we're going to do a quick game of this or that. So I'll just throw a few things out there at you and let me know what you prefer. It should be fun. So first things first, toast or eggs? Are you a toast, toast or eggs girl? Toast, easily. Easily. I think I'm I'm an eggs girl. I like I like my eggs scramble kinda hard as and cheese. But yeah. Every so often when I'm eating eggs, I have a moment of being like disgusted by the concept of it. But then I'm like, ooh, but I'm still hungry, and eggs are a great source of protein. <laughs> it's like mixed emotions. Like, do I really like this? Yeah. Like, who in humanity, like, which of our, you know, thousands of years ago, who decided to do that? Like, who said, yeah, eggs, let's eat that? Right. <laughs> who decided, like, oh, before this turns into a chicken, it'll make a great breakfast breakfast item. Like, it's how do we get here? It's so weird. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. Okay, number two, ice cream cone or snow cone? Ice cream cone. Ice cream cone. I'm not paying for water. <laughs> water with a, <laughs> with a flavor in it. No. <laughs> so what's your go-to ice cream flavor? So, I my go-to is the vanilla Hagen dazs and then I put chocolate syrup on it, and then I mix it because I like the chocolate flavor but I don't like chocolate ice cream. Chocolate ice cream is very different from vanilla with chocolate syrup in it. I have a whole rant about it. So very different experience. Yeah, I can I can get with that. Ice cream makes my stomach hurt, so I'm more so of a gelato girl. I like Talenti. They have this one with chocolate chips and caramel in it and it is my go to but I agree with you. Snow cones are not so much fun once you become an adult. It's like, yeah, it's just ice with purple sauce in it. I got ice. I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. 
Okay, um, next, when you're walking, are you listening to music or are you listening to podcasts? Music. Music. But that'll get me in trouble because depending on what music it is, like what I learned is not to listen to Beyonce's Hold Up while in the street because I will imagine myself in that video and... It'd be a full day party. Right. I can't be busting people's windows out. So. Uh, I like that. Um, I think if I'm walking, I'm listening to podcasts because it gives me like a nice pace. But if I'm like in the gym, I need music because otherwise I'll go home. I'd be like, yeah, no, don't want to be here anyways. So I'm going to stop. But yeah, that's cool. Okay. Cake or pie? Now, see, this is the first time where I'm like, I don't like these choices. <laughs> if it's cake, it has to be chocolate cake. If it's pie, it has to be sweet potato pie. Or my mother's apple pie. It's pie, my mom's apple pie. And I will always choose my mom's apple pie over any other. That's what's up. I like Um... I'm not really a pie girl. I can do cobblers, but not really like pies. So I'd have to go cake. And chocolate is my favorite kind of cake. I need chocolate cake with chocolate icing. Like, don't switch it up. It needs to be chocolate all the way through. Um, so, yeah, that, that also gives me in trouble eating cake in the middle of the night when I'm supposed to be asleep. But, you know, here we are. Such is life. And then, last but not least, are you Team Apple or Team Android? Apple all the way. And I hate it because I'm like, dang, I, I really hate these companies. I truly hate them. But when I start texting somebody and I see the green bubble never turns blue. It makes me sad. I'm like, dang. and then I feel like, then I like judge myself because I'm like, wow, this is a very like, why are we doing this? But also, when I'm in a group chat and then people do the chat back, and then it says, and there's someone in there with an Android. And it sends the whole message instead of the reaction. I get so irrationally angry about that. Because I'm like, y'all know everybody don't have an iPhone. Stop stop tapping it back. Like, actually send a thumbs up or a heart. Like, <laughs> oh, it would be that much easier. <laughs> but um, I'm, I'm team Apple. I like my computer to talk to my phone, talk to my, I, I like all the things to be in harmony. Because it feels mm -hmm. like my life is working together like it's supposed to be so yeah so i feel like now we know a little bit more about who you are and so i want to tell you a little bit more about who we are so here at sassy conversations we are committed to exploring what it means to navigate the world at the intersections of being sassy soulful and spiritual and so i'm going to tell you how we define those words and then ask you if you feel like you embody them so <laughs> so first is sassy and so when i think about sassy i think about the womanish talk back version of sassy that i have an opinion i'm gonna let you know what my opinion is and i mean it is what it is when i was growing up i might have talked a little too much the people told me that i need to see you know calm it down i'm like no i think i'm just leaning into my sass and so what does sassy look like for you and do you feel like that's something you invite? Child. My <laughs> my my parents often joke that I came into this world screaming 
as a baby, like during like the birthing process, just loud. And they joke that I have not shut up since. <laughs> and they don't, I mean, I have a really strong relationship with my parents. So it's, it's that comment isn't like a dig. It's more like, girl, <laughs> you really have opinions. <laughs> um, I do feel like sassy is a good way to describe me. I would only let certain black people call me that. I definitely don't want, want any white folks calling me that because they get hold of that word and then they just run with it. And I'm like, now hold up. I don't know you like that. We ain't never did that before. <laughs> I love that video. Um, but yeah, I'm, the idea of having an opinion um, and not like to beat it against someone's head, but like the opinion that I have and that other people have is rooted in an experience that we're trying to share. We're trying to bring awareness. We're trying to help people see what it is that we see because we're sitting in the place that we're sitting. So I do try to watch my mouth sometimes because I know I can be a little spicy if I am really in a place. So. <laughs> yeah, my my family tells me all the time that I'm very blunt. And I'm like, well, you asked me a question and I gave you an answer. I don't really understand what else you wanted me to do. All I did was, was answer the question. And they're like, no, but Tierney, you know you got a way. Like, and I'm like, well, okay, I'm not going to argue with you. Here we are. And so, yeah. Um, okay, and then next up for us is soulful. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so for me, soulful is like embracing all of my Blackness. 24-7, 365, being blacky, blacky, black, like, not just in Black History Month, all of the time. I want to know about my history. I want to embody my culture and everything that I do and in all the ways that I show up. And so what does soulful look like for you? And do you feel like that's something that you embody? Soulful. I, I like how you define it as not relegated to just one month. Um, I try to be in touch with the different contours of myself and my community throughout the year. Um, like we just came out of Pride Month and I'm like, I'm kind of glad the rainbows are gone because me and Rainbow have a very complicated relationship. Um, but yeah, it's, it's the gay agenda all year round. It's the womanist, feminist, socialist, black radical agenda all year round. Um, and I do think the word soul is like really grounding. Like there are some people I don't believe have souls. And that's a question of like, you know, the spirit and all that. But there are some people I'm like, nah, ain't no way you got a soul the way you behave in like this out in the streets. Um, I think the soul kind of brings us back to a humanity, like a, a, con a consciousness, like a, a, and a conscience, like having a sense of the way we live in relation to other people. So. Yeah, and for me, thinking about the word soul is grounding 
it kind of brings you back to your center, to like the things that are important to you, the things that like, you know, you your morals, your ethics, what's your hard stop. Like I think thinking about your soul and being soulful is also there. It's like, yeah, no, that doesn't feel right in my soul. I can't, right. I can't, I can't do that. Look, and the soul will tell you. Spirit will tell you. <laughs> well, in certain circumstances, sometimes then, you know, our our soul, our spirit, our gut gets um, manipulated into not believing itself. Mm-hmm. You know, but definitely that piece about like, nah, if I don't feel it in my, if it's not in my, <laughs> the Ashandalo, like, then it's, it's not going to work. Yeah, I can't. I can't vibe with that. Something about it ain't sitting right with me. Mm-mm. Yeah, and then last but not least is spirituality. And so for us here, spirituality—I use that word because I don't want to like—I don't want to use the word religion when I think about the space that I'm trying to create and it being centered in one specific tradition. I want to more so think about it as like a journey, as a process, as an evolution, being committed to whatever that is. And so that's what spirituality is here for us. It's being committed to your own personal journey, however that looks for you, whether it be rooted in Christianity, whether it be rooted in Buddhist meditation, whatever it's rooted in for you, being committed to that journey, that process, and finding yourself in relationship to the divine along that journey. And so what does spirituality look like for you, and how do you feel like that's something you invite? You know, I'm going to be honest and say that, like, it's really hard to be in tune with, for me, it's been very hard to be in tune with my own personal spirituality or even to conceptualize a personal spirituality because so much of what I believed about spirituality is embodied and it's communal and I haven't had that experience in some time. Um... And so, yeah, like, I think journey is the right word at this point, because I'm trying to figure out how to, there are parts about Zoom worship that are really, really moving for me. And it's, it's the part of worship where like, we're all hanging up and like, just the chaos of everyone saying goodbye. And like, no one wants to hang up. And we're just kind of in the let out, just yelling. Nobody can hear each other. Like, we're literally all talking over each other. It is the most, it's so, it's so much cacophony, <laughs> but it's, um, but I'm learning to find meaning in that, learning to find, um, to find God, to find myself, to find each other there. Um, but child, we are not well. The saints are not well. <laughs> We're not meant to live like this and we have such impossible circumstances you either stay in your house and have the certainty of like well at least I didn't pass anything to anyone or I didn't get anything from anyone or you go out and you make calculated risks about how you might worship and some people are doing it pretty well um but emotionally I'm not ready yet like I'm not where was I was at a um I was at the doctor's office, um, actually the dentist's office, and they had to like, you know, I had a lot of dental work that I had to have done. Um, and 
I like freaked out when they asked me to take my mask off. I'm like, but how? But then I realized, Candace, you have to present your mouth in order for them to work. Did you think you were just going to come here and it was going to work through your N95? Like, how did you think this was going to happen? You knew that you had this appointment for days. <laughs> so just managing all that and trying to be um, compassionate with myself about that. Yeah, and I think that's really um, okay, I'm getting a little bit of feedback. So if we could like mute ourselves when we're not talking, I think that'll help a little bit, just for the sake of podcast. Um, but no, I think that's really, I think that's really important because a communal aspect is very important to my version of spirituality. Because if we're not doing it for all of us, then you know what's the point. And so having these conversations about what it looks like to go back into the building and thinking that we were like right on the cusp of it. And then the CDC being like, nope, put the mask back on. Y'all need to scale it back. Y'all doing teams too much. And then being like, dang, we was making all these plans to go back to the sanctuary. Now, is that a responsible decision? Like, OMG, I want to be in community. I want to sing with other people that's not on Zoom. I want to hear you clap your hands and say hallelujah, not in a chat box. And so thinking about that process and that journey, I think these last 17, 18 months have really, really tested what the journey is like living in these unprecedented, I hate that word, I'm so sick of it, but living in these times that's not like anything else we've experienced. It's just like, am I, like you were saying, the people are not well. Like, I've never had to experience anything like this in my life. I'm trying, and even with people that live in my house, that ain't enough. Like, no. And I think I think saying that it's a journey, acknowledging that the majority of us are not well, and still being committed to figuring out what that journey and what that process looks like is a great way to explain spirituality among these COVID times. Look, I'm I'm trying to, I like how you said that because I think we do, something I was thinking about earlier this week was just like how much I feel, I personally feel pressured to put forward like um, a front as though like I'm, it's fine, you know, like I, because people don't want I mean, when you appear like you're not well, then there are consequences of that. Um, and it it is now that I'm being more honest about like how angry I am and like how scared and how irritated and like even just the littlest things um, that I want to be able to do that I can't do. Now that I'm admitting that about myself to myself, it's easier to recognize it in other people. You know, so now I'm looking at other folks, you know, I'm like, oh, you didn't reply to my text because you can't deal with a million notifications because we're literally all just convening in the phone because that's how I feel. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. I, I, my my deepest hope is that this moment teaches us something and and that it radicalizes us. But. That is a deep hope, and it's, I don't think it's it's happening, and it's really disappointing to be confronted with that. Yeah, I think 
the, the number of people who are still going to be in the same place on the other side of the pandemic as they were when we went into the pandemic it's just like oh so we didn't we didn't do anything we didn't accomplish anything there was no growth here at all um okay well guess i'll just go back to my little bubble of hoping and wishing and imagining that we could all be better somehow some way and i can certainly agree with you that the notifications on my cell phone drive me absolutely insane i was um i was at my cousin's house for a um outside family gathering a couple of weeks ago and i was like yeah i think i have like over 300 unread text messages so if you want my attention just call me and he was like tyranny are these people you actually care about i'm like yeah but once it got over a certain number do not disturb i can't read all of those like i don't know what you want me to do call me or it's not gonna happen and so thinking about how all those things are in cahoots with each other as you're just out here trying to live your life and on its own personal spiritual journey evolution and growth it's just all so compacted so layered and can be complicated to navigate so we just have to you know continue to give each other grace to to keep doing it to yeah Now, let's take a quick break and get into donations and ways that you can support the podcast. The first is by joining us on Patreon. We have tiers for as little as $5 a month. Our patrons receive, first and foremost, my sincerest gratitude. They also receive ad-free versions of the podcast, bi-weekly devotionals, bi-weekly podcast video interviews, monthly book recommendations, a monthly litany or liturgy written by me, discount codes to my online store, um, and opportunities to submit topics and future guests for future content. So if you want to join us on Patreon, we have a lot of cool things going on over there, and I am sure it will just continue to grow and grow and grow. I want to give a special shout out to all of our patrons. Your support makes the podcast possible. You can join the Patreon community by heading over to patreon.com backslash I am Tierney J. The links to join this community and all other show details are available in the show notes. Please be sure to check those out. All right. After these next few brief messages, we'll jump back into the interview. Leftovers. Or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I want us to switch gears just a little bit and talk more about the things that you are doing and that you're passionate about and called to. And so as I was reading through your bio, um, you talked about how you're an educator, um, how you're a preacher, and how you're a minister. And so can you explore, I mean, can you expand for us how those things make you come alive, what passion you find in them, all that good stuff? Yeah. Um it's actually one of the reasons why it's so hard to be separate from each other because 
a lot of what I believe about teaching and education and like particularly political education is so embodied and it's so fleshly and it requires um, an intimacy that like is really hard to replicate online. It's not impossible because I've seen it done and I've participated in it, but um, little things like, um, oh, where do you live? I'll drive you home after this, you know, of course, assuming that like these are safe people to be in the same car together, whatever, you know, um, or like, oh, I like your shoes. Like that turns into like a longer story about like, oh, and then da da da, like those sorts of things I really miss. Um, but um, that's kind of like the, oh my gosh, everything is falling kind of version of the story. But what draws me to Christian education is exactly that. It's, um, I never get tired of seeing particularly groups of black people in a room together, asking questions, arguing, like picking apart sentences, like telling stories, saying, oh yeah, because when my daughter went through X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Like the way that we build bonds together in a classroom space, whether that's Sunday school, whether it's a teaching, whether it's, you know, a classroom, whatever that might be, um, I think there's a muscle memory that gets strengthened. Um, I'm really moved by like stories of black folks who came together at night to study um, during legal slavery or, you know, before we turned slavery into how we manage people who are incarcerated. Um, but I'm really moved by like the idea of people coming together and like being so committed to understanding something together. It's a very, um, every time I've ever taught in a room and I know the spirit is there, it, it really is an out of body experience because at some, at some point I do feel like when it's real good, it's not me talking. Like it's something, some, some presence, some force, some, um, something is like taking over and, um, not just like, you know, giving me something to say, but offering a suggestion or offering a, um, well, let's move this way. Um, so I, one of the times I felt that really, really clearly was I was at a, I won't say where I was, um, but I was at, um, I was doing a workshop on um, helping folks figure out how to basically create spaces of welcome for queer and trans children in their churches. It wasn't me telling people this, you do step one, step two, like it wasn't a how to, it was like a let's together collaboratively source some ideas and you know share what has worked for us what hasn't worked for us and someone in the group was just so um tender and you know we talked and it became clear that this person had a child who um was queer is queer and this person just felt so like inadequate 
or like, dang, like I really want, <laughs> I want the church to be better for my child. And so we stopped the lesson. Like we just, we stopped the activity. We stopped everything. And the group held space for this person, for this parent. And other people were able to name, yeah, I've been there too. Like I've experienced that. Or, you know, um, I think sometimes when we come into the space of learning, we don't make room for the learning. We act like if you don't know all the right words, if you don't know the right books, if you don't have the right people in your kind of mental orbit, then there's something wrong with you. But there should be room in a space where people can say, I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how to do this. And it takes great vulnerability and um, courage to ask your fellow co-journeyers, your co-sojourners, to, um, to hold that with you. And I think that is a missing element of so many of our movements, the lack of, or the, 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 we're so casual and flippant with the idea of political education, Christian education. We just kind of like buy a toolkit and then we try and plug and go, or we buy a curriculum from XYZ publishing company. I'm not going to say it because if I start saying it, then I'm a, the sassy part of me will come out, <laughs> you know, but we buy these things and then we think that that's going to make our congregations, our communities more woke. Maybe it might if it's written well, but it takes more than the content. It takes relationship. It takes um, people deciding that they want to work on something together. Um, so we're having um, a virtual freedom school at Concord this year. It's very, it's so different than it's ever been. It's difficult. It's stressful. It's some days I cry because I'm like, I just want to hug them <laughs> and be together. Um, but this year we're studying human rights and um, they decided today that for their, you know, advocacy issue that they want to work on, they want to focus on um homelessness and education as like related projects um related and separate i mean they like kind of co-create each other um which is not to say that any everyone who is without a home does not have an education because we know that's not true um and they're going to figure out what kind of way they want to represent that knowledge whether it's a TikTok video, a letter to their elected representative, you know, a campaign that they want to get other people involved in. Um, but I think that's what education is supposed to do. It's supposed to get you to a place where you say, I don't like the world as it is. It's not meeting everyone's needs. And I know this because I learned about it. So now I want to do something about it. And I think that's such a I think all those steps need to happen together um, and it's not going to happen, you know, in one-off experiences. It takes whatever it takes to build a community. So all those ingredients um, is, I think, a big part of the, what needs to happen. Yeah, you said so many great things. I think a couple that stood out to me the most was that your education 
should lead some step of or form of action. And so it's like you're not just learning all this information, support it for yourself and talk about how smart you are and how you now know these things. It should drive you one to a step of action and then, you know, also to a point of sharing. And so it's like, I know this stuff now. I want to share it with other people. I want you to be as, maybe not as invested, but I want you to be aware of whatever is going on so that we can all be working together to make the world a better place based on this newfound knowledge that I just got. And I think the other part that really stood out to me was talking about how education in community and the people that you're in community with as you're learning makes a really big difference. And so I'm just thinking about, I'm a recent seminary grad, so seminary is still fresh on my mind. I'm just thinking about all the people that I went to school with and how that journey would have been really different if we weren't having those after-class conversations, right? If we weren't in the hallway, in the group chat, talking about what just happened in class, what we liked, what we didn't like, what we felt like could have been better, any of those things, that would have been a completely different experience. And that's why I think, so half my seminary journey was pre-pandemic and the other half of it was in the pandemic and even though we really attempted to keep those things going it was just like a disconnect it was really hard because everyone had zoom fatigue it's like turn the zoom off you're not doing no hangout after class red button me get me out of here i'm i want to be off of the screen and so being intentional about say texting your classmate saying remember when such and such happened Let's dialogue that. Like, can I FaceTime you? Can we can we text through it? Can we talk about it? Because it really sparked a thought for me that I want to be able to discuss in community and with someone else. And so those two things, I think, from based on what you said, really stood out to me. And I think that that's really important. Um, as you think about being an educator, are is there a specific topic or group of people that you enjoy? teaching about or teaching to in a way that some other things you might not like so do I don't want to call it a favorite because you know like that's not really what I'm trying to get at but like is it something that brings you more life than some of the other things that you talk about oh that's so good um you know my favorite people to work with my favorite people um to learn from and with is black church folk. Um, I think we have such a, such a range of like entry points into the scripture. Um, yesterday actually at, um, <clears throat> in our freedom school program, we had a read aloud guest who is a deacon at the church and she read the story, she read a story written by her husband, who's also a deacon. And I was like, I know that he, Deacon Franklin wrote a story. That is so cool. Um, and so those are just like, I mean, and it was a story about like how he grew up. And um, when she kind of talked about why he wrote the story, she was saying that, you know, she wants to preserve these sacred conversations for future generations. Um, and I think black church people are the people that I'm called to work with because of that kind of muscle memory that that um, even when we get it wrong, um, the 
the idea of passing things down. And I never understood, like, during church anniversaries, why things were so dramatic. <laughs> I'm like, why y'all rehearse this every year? Like, why do y'all say these things every year? But those things really do open up, you know, if you tell the story the right way, I think it, it does impact people. Um, at Concord, like, one of the things that we talk about in our church history is one of our first pastors who was a runaway. Like, he had left the plantation, and um, through the research of Dr. Washington, the late Dr. Washington at Union um, Seminary, um, we found out that the reason why he had such a short tenure at the church was because of the Fugitive Slave Act becoming, like, a threat to his very life. So even though we're in Brooklyn and he's a pastor, so dignified, he now has to run away because this is too much of a, you know, too much spotlight. Um, and it was Concord that I heard those words, abolition and like fugitivity, like those things are really important to me. Um, so I value that legacy and those people that have taught me those stories. My favorite things to teach, I love any story in the Bible that involves collectives of people doing things that they probably should not do. I love anything that feels criminal. I love anything that feels um, like, ooh, you're going to get in trouble. Like, I love all the spy stories. Like, the story of Rahab is, like, a favorite of mine. Um, I love any story featuring, yeah, like collective, like the daughters of Zalofa had my favorite homegirls. I'm like, yo, this is set it off just, you know, in the Old Testament, because that's really what happened. Um, you know, the story of Miriam basically singing a song about, hooray, Pharaoh and his chariots are dead. Like, if we translated that to today, I would not be able to say it in, you know, on Bill Gates' internet, because we gonna read between lines, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I love working with Black folks. I love reading stories about things you're not supposed to do, because um, I like a little chaos. I like a little, you know, the phrase is, be gay, do crimes. Like, that's kind of my life motto. Like, I want I want to do the things that we're not supposed to do. Um, and yeah, I I guess I should say that like, it's not, as much as I do work in churches, I am not like exclusively interested in only working and being in community with black church people. Um, in fact, a lot of my own theology and practice has been shaped by radical organizers and thinkers and um, community folk who are not coming to church, but they are living out what I would understand as the gospel. Um, and those are also people that I'm accountable to. Like, I don't want to embarrass them either. Like, I'm not going to be with you signing petitions, you know, doing mutual aid work and then betray those values from the pulpit by saying we should all pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. 
Like that just doesn't feel honest to me. And that's, I'm not saying that's easy because it's really not. I mean, it's real easy to say other things. Um, so those are my people. Yeah, and I, I really like that. I think we all have to be intentional and honest about doing the work our soul must have and doing the work that actually brings us alive. And so, you know, it's real cute to say such and such is doing this and they seem to be flourishing in their life. I should just do what such and such is doing. No, and eh, wrong answer. That is not for you. You have to figure out what it is that you actually feel called to, what makes you come alive. And it might not be the easiest path to take, but it's your path to take, right? And so I think that's something that I'm still navigating and discerning. And I'm like, okay, well, I know I want to do this and I know I want to do that. But I don't really have an example of what that looks like. So we're just going to wing it. And I'm going to keep doing whatever I'm doing now and putting this stuff together and we're going to figure it out at the end of the day. As long as I can pay these bills, the world would not collapse around me. And so just taking it day by day, step by step, figuring out exactly what that call looks like, especially as a young black woman in ministry and ministry adjacent spaces. And so just all of the layers that come with that and curating a life and a career that actually allows you to feel fulfilled as opposed to being put inside a box of what people say you should or shouldn't or can't be doing, right? And so this is the final question I'll ask before we start to wrap things up. In your bio, you talked about how you're a full-time consultant in doing this type of work. And so could you just expound upon what that process and journey has been like of, you know, figuring that out, getting to that point, being confident to, um, you know, bet on yourself. If anybody is thinking about doing it, don't do it. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I'm really not. Um, it it has been a journey. It's been about two years that I, I think June 7th was the two-year anniversary of me leaving um, a nonprofit job that I really, really, I mean, I enjoyed the work of the job. But um, there are reasons why I did not think I needed to continue there. Um, and it's been difficult. Um, I don't want to minimize that. Um, it's been difficult and it has been, um, I also think it's important to name like cushions and privileges that I've had that have made it significantly easier for me to navigate um, in this space, <laughs> like, um, and I think those things are, like, we don't earn our privileges. They come to us, and we have to deny them and be stewards of them. Um, so, yeah, I picked up a few contracts here and there to do the work that brings me a lot of joy, which is um, I've worked with Faith Matters Network, which is um, an organization that I'm really, really, I just, I'm so thankful for the work of um, Reverend Jen Bailey. Um, so I was doing like Bible exploration with North Carolina pastors. Um, I've written curriculum. Um, I've done, you know, intensives. I've been a teaching assistant. Um, my first teaching assistant 
um, position was with Dr. Ebony Marshall Tyman at Yale Divinity School. And um, myself and another um, teaching fellow, um, we were with the, um, it was the intro to religious ethics. Oh, I'm not remembering the name of that um, class. And that's bad because I actually really enjoyed that class. Um, and it was such a gift to be in that class with her and be paid to do it. <laughs> um, and then last semester, I was a teaching assistant for Dr. Timothy Atkins Jones um, for the preaching class at Union. And that was a delight as well. So I keep finding myself in these like teaching spaces because they bring me a lot of joy. Um, but how I wish I had insurance, 401k, um, benefits, vacation, sick time. And if this pandemic is teaching us anything, it's that even if you have those things, you don't really have those things. Um, but what I will say is that the transition from working for somebody else and then like working for myself is um, community. It's been family, it's been loved ones, it's been comrades, people that I've organized with um, who have materially sustained me um, and also spiritually. Like it's, it's very scary to do something with you, like <laughs> to not have a ball, like there's nobody telling me to show up to a meeting. Um, and so in addition to doing that, I'm also an associate at Concord. Um, which is a very different experience than being at a nonprofit. It's not the same. I don't have the same relationship to the clock. Um, actually, <laughs> this is telling me a lot. This is a live download you're witnessing of um, an epiphany because it doesn't feel like work. Um, I write all of our adult Sunday school lessons at Concord. And it is a delight to like sit down and think about the people who will read these lessons and you know ask questions. Um, and I love that I can tailor the lessons to our church. So when we had a season of like just it felt like death after death, I could write about that and I could pastor us through that through the written curriculum. Um, which I'm glad to that <laughs> that we weren't reading things like God needed another soldier because that wouldn't have landed well with us. So, um, but yeah, I, I I'm joking, but I'm not joking. Um, I think particularly for young Black women, stability is key, and being able to say how and when you want to enter a room and exit a room is really important. And I will also say that there's a lot of public virtue signaling towards supporting Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka and Shikari Richardson. But let me tell you how that does not translate <laughs> for most black women who make the choice to preserve themselves, to preserve ourselves. And so don't get caught up in the memes and the think pieces about like, oh, we all need to support Simone. We do. And if I can only tell you how many black women I have spoken with this week who are like, am I bugging? Because when I left, 
it wasn't all this. I don't know where this. When when did we start standing with black women? When did that happen? Is that new? Is this like a pandemic thing? Um, you know, I I do I don't think people are being malicious. I think we're not being honest about what we think of black women in the workplace. Um, it's we we don't have the same story as white women. Black women have always worked, as my professor Donna Dale Marcano would tell us in our African-American feminism course at Trinity College, she would always say, black women have always worked. We are not, we don't, we're not asking to work. That's not what feminism is. It is a recognition for black women that the work that we're doing needs to be fairly and humanely and like in a dignified way, respected, compensated, these white people were not raising themselves. And there are so many other ways that we have shown up and existed in the world as, you know, the mule of the world. That's not a phrase for no reason. So, yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> I'm gonna just be honest. <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate your honesty and your vulnerability and sharing a piece of your story with us because we always see the highlight reels of what people are doing and the yay I got this yay I got that we don't see the behind the scenes the everyday the struggles that come along with choosing yourself making those decisions or setting boundaries your own mental health and figuring out what that looks like and so I really appreciate your your honesty and your vulnerability concerning the aspects of your life and your story and your journey and so as we prepare to wrap things up I want to ask, what is your favorite scripture, quotes, or saying, and why does it mean so much to you? Um, there's an Octavia Butler. Um, so, Parable of the Sower is like one of my favorite. Oh my gosh, like what a prophetic offering to the world by Octavia Butler. And, um, inside of the book she's also writing these like spiritual verses part of this religion called Earthseed that the main character young black woman is creating co-creating um and there's a phrase um in one of the verses where she says the universe is god's self-portrait and it's i mean it's it's a very like the whole passage I don't remember off the top of my head but um she's basically looking at like how things go from grubs to bees bees to swarms um the idea that like we are made up of like small things that become big things um and it's just like a, it's a very compelling way to think about the world um it kind of saved me from everything happens for a reason theology and instead helps me to look more mindfully into the world that I see. So when I do go for my walks or my runs, cause I just started back running in March cause I was like, look, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> I need to get out this house and I need to like see the world a little bit. Um, I, I take that seriously. Like the universe is God's self-portrait. So looking at like, I mean, I live in Brooklyn, so there's a lot of concrete. 
There's a lot of sirens. There are a lot of people arguing. There's um, children playing. Um, trees that, you know, bark is falling off of them. And they just all beg me to like, to explore and to, to still myself and to consider what can be learned, what can be experienced, what can be felt through what I see. Instead of like trying to just get everything from here, like from my, my seminary Bible that's falling apart, like literally falling apart, it's just a mess. <laughs> that's how you know I be in my word though. I be studying. Um, instead of just trying to go straight from the Bible, like why not look outside? Like in your actual world, God is trying to tell you something. That's the color purple, you know? We tr we're, we're getting all these messages and all these lessons and they will go to waste if we don't just find a way to listen to them. So I take it about with my homegirl. Um, I'm so impressed by just how clear her pen is. It's like remarkable. And I wish, I hope for the kind of clarity um, that she has or had. Well, she still has it. Somewhere in the universe she is writing, I think. <clears throat> yeah, and I really appreciate that, that God, spirit, the divine, you know, whatever language you choose to use, is all around us. It's in each and everything we encounter that we experience. And if we, if we center ourselves and come down a little bit, to really engage in what that means, to listen to our souls that are on the inside of us when we see that bird fly past us, when we hear that random noise in the background. It just allows for a more a more holistic, more serene, spiritual, divine experience as you think about the journey, as you think about that process, as you think about what does it really look like for me to be sassy, soulful, spiritual, all of those things at all times. And so I think I think that's a really, really good note for us to for us to end on is that God is all around us. God is everywhere in all in all the things that we're experiencing and encountering. And thinking about what we can do with that. And so I want to thank you so much for spending some time with us in the Sassy Sober Station community today. Is there anything else on your heart, on your mind, that you would like to share with us before we call it a show? Um, ooh, what is that going down the block? Man, we are in New York. <laughs> um, I've, usually I will plug my own stuff but I really like spirit is, is dealing with me heavily right now because you can find my stuff if you want to find it. But I, I feel really led to encourage us all to do our due diligence to learn more about all the labor strikes that are going on right now, um, particularly the Frito-Lay strike, which is, uh, it sounds like they've come to a piece of a resolve. I'm not sure, but um just as we're holding people rightfully so in prayer um, who have these platforms, um, I just pray that we're also thinking about the masses who are 
in Amazon warehouses and Frito-Lay warehouses and, you know, delivery and transit and uh, people who work in for Walmart. Um, I just, I'm really, really hoping and like encouraging us all to do our due diligence to research what our human rights are um, as it relates to labor and capitalism. Um, so that's not a, like, you know, joyful, but I, I think what is joyful is imagining what will happen when more of us learn about this and do our due diligence to um, be in solidarity with folks, especially, I mean, this, conversation can go wide. I'm sure there are people who are listening who are in that very predicament and who are hoping for someone to hear them. So um, I pray that we can be in solidarity with folks um, across the labor sphere. Yes, thank you so much for that note and that, that moment of insight allowed us to all, you know, elevate. Find something new. That's what we talked about earlier. It's about education. It's about knowledge. It's about being being responsible with the content that you're intaking and choosing to make a that action with that education that you're receiving. Um, all of Candace's contact information will be in the show notes. So if you want to reach out to her or check out her podcast, you can do all of those things by checking out the information that's there. And we will see you next time on Statues Conversations. Bye. Thank you so much. Well, that's all for this week's episode of Sassy Soversations. If you enjoyed the show, I'm asking that you please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music, please rate us and leave a review. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram at Sassy Soul Pod. Check us out over there and be sure to save, share, and comment. If you have any questions you would like us to answer on the show, any topic suggestions, or just anything in general you would like to share with me, please feel free to send an email to sassysoulpod at tyrannyjordan.com. Again, a special shout out to all of our patrons over on Patreon. You make the work we do here at Sassy Soulversations possible. If you would like to join our Patreon community and receive access to ad-free versions of the show, please check us out over there at patreon.com backslash I am Tierney J. Thanks for hanging out with the Sassy Soulversation community today. Continue to be sassy, soulful, and spiritual in all the things you do. Bye. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.